Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 49 with outdoor podcaster and thru-hiker, Willow Belden. This episode was brought to you by Traeger Grills. Even if you're a veg head like me, wood-fired grills just make food taste better than charcoal or gas. It's kind of like how food tastes better when you camp. They have a six-in-one versatility, so you can cook hot and fast or low and slow, allowing you to grill, smoke, bake, roast, braise, and barbecue with one device. Plus, they have digital control, so they're super easy to use, and you can set consistent temperatures and master whatever recipe you're working on. Plus, if you're barbecuing for friends and family, you get to focus on what matters most, which is hanging out and having fun rather than worrying about perfecting or maybe burning your food. This is the grill used by world-class chefs, barbecue masters, and even badass explorers like Kimmy Warner, a guest of this show. You can go to TraegerGrills.com to check them out. They make awesome holiday gifts. That's T-R-A-E-G-E-R Grills.com. This episode was brought to you by Olakai, a company who puts a ton of time and thought into crafting amazing footwear for men and women. I have a ton of pairs of Olakai sandals and even some of their slip-ons, and I love their shoes because they're all made really well so they don't break down, and they're all stylish so you can wear them with really nice outfits and always to the beach. Olakai was founded to celebrate the aloha spirit and the waterman lifestyle, and they also aim to do a lot of good. They believe that sustainability and positive living is less about an ethos and more about the choices and actions you make every day. One of the best parts is this company is a certified B Corporation, and they do a ton of giving back to communities. They even have their own Ama Olukai Foundation, a nonprofit that helps to preserve the Hawaiian culture and the Hawaiian spirit, which I'm a big fan of considering my grandma lived in the islands. You can check them out and buy an awesome pair of sandals or even some slip-ons or one of their new pairs of boots for yourself or a loved one this season at olukai.com. That's O-L-U-K-A-I, olukai.com. Willow Belden is the host of Out There, an outdoor podcast that captures the big life questions and struggles we all have, but through the lens of the outdoors. A few years ago, Willow left a great job. She was working at Wyoming Public Radio, but she quit to through-hike the Colorado Trail, which is about 500 miles. We talk about why she did this and what she learned along the way. We also talk about what she's learned from starting a podcast, from interviewing so many great adventurers, why chocolate is so important, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, we're with Willow Belden. Willow, welcome to Wild Ideas. Thank you so much. We're stoked to have you. So I think we should just start with your big wild idea. You went to Columbia Journalism School, got a job at Wyoming NPR, which is so cool. And then you had this wild idea to quit an awesome job 
and go hike the Colorado Trail, which is about 500 miles. Why? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, it does sound a little stupid. Um, so I had the, the job at Wyoming Public Radio was like that was my dream job. I had been working for a long time to become a public radio reporter. Like that was what I wanted to do, I thought. And um, and it was this job that was on paper really good and and even not on paper. Like it was a good job. I loved my colleagues. I had a great boss. I felt like my work was meaningful. It was interesting. It was different every day. But it wasn't making me happy. Like I didn't love it enough to make it worth the amount of stress it was. Um, and so that was that was part of it was that I had this idea of like, you know, I, I heard you hear people talk about like jumping out of bed in the morning and being excited about what they're going to go do for the day. And I was just like, I want that. And I don't feel like I have that at this job. So and people would say, well, what would you rather do instead? And I kind of said, well, if I already if I knew what I wanted to do instead, I'd probably already be doing it. Um so so I, I sort of had this idea like, OK, I, I, I feel like I need to just leave everything behind for a little while and think and like have some space to think and like and hear my own thoughts. And so that was sort of part of it. And then the other part of it was very personal. Um, my mom had passed away a few years earlier and I had just sort of not taken time to process that and so that was sort of like the grief was kind of lingering and manifesting itself in health problems and so I, I kind of figured I needed to take a little bit of time um, on that aspect as well and then I I <laughs> this is probably kind of stereotypical but I read Wild by Cheryl Strayed and this is like if you haven't read it it's <laughs> is this book where she, like her mother dies when she's in her 20s and she and it like turns her life upside down and she gets addicted to heroin and she um but then she decides to go hike the Pacific Crest Trail and she does it and it like makes her happy again and like gets her life back on track. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm not addicted to heroin, but like maybe I could do this, something like that, too, and and get the same kinds of benefits. And so it just kind of <laughs> I don't know. It was one of those decisions where just it felt totally viscerally right, even though it didn't seem like a rational thing to do to like leave this awesome job and with nothing lined up afterwards. I mean, you're speaking to someone who made a pretty similar decision. I didn't hike the PCT, but I went to Indonesia on a surf trip and um, quitting didn't make sense on paper, but it worked out. And I just laugh because in one of your, one of your episodes, uh, just so you all know, Willow has a great show called Out There. We're going to be playing some clips from it later on. But someone asked you, did you have any deep thoughts on the trail? And I laughed because you said no. And, and I'm guessing, you know, did you think that there would be like a parting of the clouds experience on this trail where the answers all flooded in and came to you? And what happened maybe instead? Yeah, I kind of did think that was going to happen. And it was funny because actually a friend of mine, as I was explaining the plan for this trip uh, ahead of time, a friend of mine said, like, what do you think is going to happen out there? Like, do, like, literally, like, do you think the clouds are going to part and you're just going to have all the answers? And and I was kind of like, uh, yeah, like, that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. Um, and 
And I had sort of pictured my, and even if that didn't happen, I had sort of pictured myself like hiking along every day, like through these beautiful places by myself, just like thinking deep thoughts. And that didn't happen at all. Like it turns out uh, through hiking is really hard. And, you know, I got terrible blisters on my feet and there were mosquitoes and it poured like it rained so much. And there was heat. I mean, it was just like the, the hike was so hard that it sort of like demanded all of my attention all of the time. And I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like a terrible experience because there were actually really wonderful parts of it, too. But it was just not the kind of thing where you ended up thinking deep thoughts out there. What I found was that the deep thoughts happened after I finished the trail, like once I was already back home. Um, so, so it did have the effect that I wanted. It just didn't happen while I was out on the trail. What was the hardest part of the 500 miles? <laughs> um probably well uh, maybe the 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 that's a good question what was the hardest part um blisters i know that sounds really dumb but like <laughs> when you're when your feet are covered in blisters and it's really painful to walk um and walking is just what you have to do all day every day and you like don't take rest days really it makes it really hard and the rain I mean I was expecting like it was Colorado Colorado in my mind you like you get an afternoon thunderstorm and the rest of the time it's bright and sunny and beautiful and like that just didn't turn out to be the case it just like rained a lot (laughs) that was that's really tough when you just like can't dry out your gear and everything's wet and you're like oh gosh is my sleeping bag gonna get wet like am I gonna freeze to death at night like I mean it sounds dramatic but um Those are the kinds of things that I was worried about. I'm really interested in through hiking. And and we're going to talk more about this towards the end of this podcast, just the gear you used. And it's such a, so many people are through hiking now. You know, there was another part of one of your talks where you talked about the loss of your mom and your mom who died of cancer. And I'm so sorry to hear about that. I lost a parent young and um, I have a friend who just lost a parent to cancer. and, And a lot of us are just losing parents right now. You talked about how that grief from losing a mom was was sort of like carrying a boulder. And maybe after the trail, it became just a little bit more like a smooth pebble still there. Was there a time on the trail where you just really missed your mom? I don't think there was a specific moment that I missed her more than other times it was more of a pervasive thing there there was one moment on the trail that I remember um it was this beautiful beautiful spot I had been hiking along the continental divide all day like up above tree line just this this vast um ridge line with mountain peaks in every direction um and then I was hiking down into this this uh ravine canyon kind of thing um and it was just the whole area was just blanketed with wildflowers. Um, th- that was one of the positive things about all the rain is that the wildflowers were gorgeous. And it was just like sunset was was gorgeous on all of the mountain peaks and these flowers were gorgeous. And it was just quiet and beautiful. There was no one else around. And it was just one of those moments where I remember thinking, like, my mom would have absolutely loved this spot and I I just remember thinking I wish I could show it to her and you know of course I couldn't she had she had passed away um but I think if there was one moment 
on the trail that sort of really stood out in terms of missing hair. It, it was probably, it was probably there. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. What, what was the biggest takeaway from it all? The whole 500 miles and, and how long did it take you? So it took about five weeks. Um, so I averaged like a hundred miles a week. Um, which I guess was pretty typical. I mean, I, some people did it way faster. I didn't really know ahead of time how long it was going to take me because I was new to backpacking. Like I just didn't really, I'd never done something like this before. And so uh, I was like, well, I guess it'll take as long as it takes. But um, so anyway, it took about five weeks. Um, I, I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was that you don't have to already know how to do everything ahead of time in order to do something. So I tend to be very sort of a planner and a type A kind of person like, okay, and if I don't already know how to do this, like, I guess I better not try because I might get it wrong. And I like might fail. And, um, and for and for this trip, like, I didn't know anything about backpacking really ahead of time. Um, I think I had gone backpacking, like, twice for a night or two <laughs> before I went on this five-week trip. Um, and I had never gone by myself. And so, uh, you know, it, a rational person would probably say, well, maybe <laughs> maybe you should try, like, going out for a, a week or something before you do this. Um, but in my mind, like, no, I wanted to do, <laughs> I wanted to do this trail. And so um, since I didn't know anything about backpacking, I read a lot of books because that's like my go-to. I'm like, oh, I can, I can read books. I can do that. And I talked to people and I like researched gear blogs obsessively and, um, you know, spent a lot of time trying to, to figure out how to make this successful. Um, and it was successful. I feel like a lot of people ask me now, like, what would you have done differently next time? Or like, is there gear that you would have brought differently? And for most of it, like, not really. Like, I felt like I did. It was fine. Like, I didn't. I knew what I needed to know. I knew enough. And it didn't like it was still hard, but it was hard for everyone, even even the people who had done all sorts of through hikes before. Um and so that really just kind of showed me, okay, like you, it, it's okay if you don't know how to do everything. Like sometimes it's worth doing anyway, and like you'll figure it out. If it's worth doing, you'll figure out a way to do it. So that was one of the biggest takeaways. I would say the other one, and maybe this sounds a little touchy feely, but like it reminded me that it is possible to really love life like to feel like energized and excited and it, to be in a place where you're not anxious about your future and and you're just like enjoying being a human which again I mean it sounds kind of touchy-feely but I had sort of gotten into this this rut of being sort of like low level depressed for a long time. And this was this really snapped me out of it and was like, no, you can you can like life can be awesome. You can love it. And, and that's possible. And I think that was really important to to remember. Isn't that funny that you could be in like massive lightning thunderstorm soaking wet and have joy, massive amounts of joy? <laughs> I know, right? It sounds so silly, right? Um, I mean, I, I, there were parts of the trail that were really, truly, spectacularly wonderful also. Um, but I think it's, it's that's one of those things. You just like, yes, there are lots of things that are hard. And you just kind of, after a while, you're like, well, I can't plan it all out ahead of time and figure out all the answers. So like, we'll just keep going and like cross that bridge when we get there. Whatever you it is that you're worrying about. It's like, okay, well, we'll figure it out. Like, somehow we'll figure it out. So just briefly, when you got back, was there this 
this changed Willow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I came out of this feeling so much more confident and so much more optimistic than I had been in a long time. Um, it just it felt like, you know, the world was mine for the taking and I could just go do whatever I wanted. And and if it was sort of a crazy idea that I had, like, OK, like, go try it. You can do it, maybe. And or at least it's not a bad thing to try. And that's it's such an intoxicating feeling. Like, it's I it's it's hard to recreate so that's perfect segue because then you had this wild idea not too long after I'm guessing to launch this podcast out there and and you've been doing yeah. out there for what two two and a half years now now this year twice a month maybe just briefly tell us you know what stories you're attracted to and like to cover on your podcast yeah so so I like to describe the show as exploring big questions through intimate stories in the outdoors. So so all of our stories have some tie to the outdoors, but really the bigger focus is each story looks at some broader question, whether that's a psychological question or social or scientific. Um, and we really go we really go deep into these sort of personal narratives and look at um, what what kind of life lessons we can draw from those. Um, you know, I think for a lot of us, and, and certainly for the Colorado Trail did this for me, I think for a lot of us, we we have these experiences outside. And whether that's doing a through hike or, or something much smaller, I think a lot of us have these experiences outside that really do help um, bring us uh, wisdom somehow about, about life. And uh, so so we use these stories to kind of get at those bigger questions. And if, if that sounds like a little bit abstract, like, for instance, we had a story about a guy who goes up Mount Everest. And in this in this experience, he has to decide whether or not to leave another climber for dead. Oh, like this guy who's yeah, like this guy who's like on the verge of death, like up in Everest's death zone where there's like no oxygen, whatever. And so the guy has to decide, like, is it worth trying to save this guy when he might die anyway? And when it's putting our team at risk um, and will also mean that, like, we're not going to get to the top if we save this, if we try to save this guy. So is it worth like, do we do that? Do we not do that? And so the so the we we use that story then to look at, like, OK, how do we as humans make moral decisions because it turns out that like the the decision making process for something like that is the same decision making process we use uh, like day to day like whether if we decide like uh, are we going to stop and eat that donut even though we're trying to lose weight or like do we put something in the recycling bin even though the trash is closer like it's the same decision making process so we kind of go into that and I don't know. Those are the questions. I feel like there's a lot of outdoor journalism out there, but a lot of it tends to focus very much on like, oh, and we had this crazy adventure. Let me tell you about it. And I'm more interested in like, okay, what does that crazy adventure tell us about all of us? And how does that crazy adventure help us make sense out of the world and and figure out our place in life? Um, so that's kind of what we're looking for. So let's just skip ahead and play a quick excerpt from an episode on Willow's show before she tells us her secrets to podcasting through hiking and how to quit your job. So this is an episode she did 
called High on Failure. And Will, if you could just talk us quickly about sort of briefly what we're going to hear, and then I'm going to ask you about failure and kind of what you learn from it after. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a story about an ultra runner um, named Jordan Werfsbrock, and she decided several years ago that she was going to do one of the toughest trail running races that exists. It's 550 miles. Um, It's called Infinitus, and it takes place in the mountains of Vermont. And, um, you know, like I said, Jordan was an ultra runner. She was not new to this, but this was way more extreme than anything she'd done before. And um, and I'm not giving any anything away by saying this. So like because we, we say this right at the beginning of the episode. So she fails in this race, like the race broke her. She does not manage to finish. And so this story kind of looks at, OK, what how can failure actually end up being a success for somebody? So anyway, this particular part that uh, we're going to hear, um, she has just it's at the beginning of the race. She's just gotten directions for the course, which is this sort of figure eight shape. Um, and so the runners are all going to be doing this course, this loop, this figure eight loop, 20 and a half times. Five, four, three, two, one. My plan was to go out easier than easy. Walk as much as I wanted, stay relaxed. And I did. We started out in the upper portion of the figure eight. This 10-mile loop had a steep climb up Mount Romance, then a sweet downhill cruise back to the lodge. When I came through base camp, I felt great. I was in and out onto the lower part of the figure eight. I kept feeling good even as the trail got tougher. This 16-mile section included a slog through a marsh with shoe-sucking mud and a winding ridgetop trail that felt like going around and around in circles. I have to hand it to Vermont. I live in Colorado, where I'm used to running on rugged, high-altitude trails in the Rocky Mountains. So I didn't expect the trails to be that hard. But they were gnarly. Rocks, roots, mud, logs to climb over, ankle-deep fallen leaves on the ground so you couldn't even see your footing. I got lost on my way back and ran a bonus mile or two. But even that didn't dampen my mood. One marathon down, 19 and a half to go. Well, I love, I love, okay, you're definitely, you can tell your background in public radio. It's so good. This is why I love listening to this show. I listen to it often on my drives to LA to see my family. What did this episode teach you about failure? Well, I think this is, so I tend to be very much like Jordan where I, I feel, I fear failure. And so for me, it's like, oh, you like failure is bad. And, um, and so and this, this goes back to like, the the question of not wanting to do something unless you already know how to do it. Like, it's like, oh, no, I, I need to I need to succeed at everything I try. That is sort of my general outlook on life. And this story really shows how failure was a, a good thing for Jordan. Um, because it, it's sort of like she had spent her whole life sort of banging her head against a, a, a wall, like trying to do things that uh, and, and succeed at things. And when she when she was forced to fail, um, it sort of 
took away that pressure. And so I think it's for people for people like me, and I bet you're like this too, Shelby. Oh, I'm like total. Like um, I was just raising my hand, but trying not to talk and just let you talk. But yeah, I mean, I'm a total perfectionist. <laughs> I hate failure. That's why I started this podcast because I was so afraid of failure that I was like, well, now I'm going to have to maybe fail every week. And it gets easier. Yeah. And like sometimes I make it, sometimes some of the episodes fall a little shorter. But yeah, I ran cross country growing up. I still run. Tomorrow I have this idea that I'm going to run 20 miles. Have I trained for it? No, but I just want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And so I think for those of us who, who tend to be like that, it's important to remember that like, okay, it's all right to fail sometimes. And sometimes it's more than all right. Sometimes it's better to fail. Like sometimes that's actually what we need and not just to humble us, but like it's, it actually changes your perspective on life is and is going to end up making you happier. So that was a really important lesson for me. That's a good one. So Will, you've come to the quick and dirty round of the show. It's kind of what I call it, not the lightning round. It's quick and dirty. <laughs> Everyone wants to start a podcast. I get emailed 10 times a week. Shelby, come to coffee with me. I'm starting a podcast. Help me. I actually just wrote a blog on it. Um, I love to go to coffee with people, but I just can't drink that much coffee a week. So Really quickly, <laughs> I can. <laughs> what should people know before they start a podcast? What are like two things they must know? Um, don't do it unless there's nothing else you'd be happy doing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I hate to sound down on it, but like I, I also think there are so many podcasts out there. Like everyone wants to start a podcast these days. And, and it's really hard for... I mean, you know this. I know this. It's really hard to build up an audience and um, actually get heard. So I feel like it's something that, that sounds really glamorous. And in reality, it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work that's not just like creating your show. It's a lot of work for marketing yourself and getting into the places that people will hear you and um, trying to scrape together money to make it all work financially. So, it, and, I, and I say, I mean, doing out there is I am so happy doing it, but it's also like if there were something else, if there was some other job that I think I would be equally happy doing, like I would go do that and I would get a steady paycheck and benefits and like that'd be awesome. So I, it's not I think I feel like it's not the glamorous thing that, that everybody thinks it is. I totally think you should. Sorry if that's a little you down. should try and start a <laughs> podcast. I disagree. Most people quit after show seven, but I think you could start it. So um, <laughs> because I think it's worth everybody to see how what it's like. So so if they sure, do sure. start it, what's your gear setup? Like, what are a couple of things you you use? Um, so mine's pretty simple. Um, I basically got the same recording kit that we had when I worked at the public radio station or close to it. I got a really good microphone um, because I think that's like one of the most important things to get good sound quality. I got a pretty good recorder. You need a pair of headphones and then you need some sort of editing software so that you can do something with the audio that you record. I use Adobe Audition. I really like it. Um, there's a bunch of different editing software options out there um, that all work well. My microphone is an Audio-Technica. I'm going to forget the number of it, but it's a shotgun mic. It's like one of those like really long, skinny microphones. Um, and it gets really good sound. And it's also like if I'm recording outside, which I do sometimes for these stories, 
since the podcast involves the outdoors, um, it's good at blocking the wind. So you're like hearing the person talking rather than all of the other like wind and traffic and like stuff that's going on outside. What about backpacking? <laughs> what are your favorite three things in your pack for a through hike? Number one is definitely chocolate. Um, yeah, like I found that you just need so much chocolate as a more as like moral support on the trail. So I was just speaking to the Girl Scouts and a guy gave a talk on lightweight backpacking and people were asking questions and this little girl raised her hand. I mean, this guy has the lightest weight backpack. He's been he's like break, has a record for backpacking with the lightest gear. And she raised her hand <laughs> and she's like, where where do you fit your emergency candy? And it was the funniest question ever but I guess this is real so chocolate chocolate and you need more the longer you're out on the trail like the first week I was out I would have some chocolate like maybe once every other day or something and by the end of it it's like no no I need like two chocolate bars a day like at least <laughs> like to get through I don't know I mean part of it's that they're really calorie dense and you need that when you're hiking that much but part of it's also just like chocolate's awesome so um, I mean like one of the last actually it was the last day that I was on the trail and I had run out of water and the place that like the stream that was supposed to exist where I was going to be to get more water there like just didn't exist it was like this muddy swamp of cow shit and like and I was like well I'm not going to drink that so but I had chocolate in my pack and I was like all right well I don't have any water but I can eat chocolate and it just like put this big smile on my face and I was like all right I can I got this I can I can go on um so chocolate definitely what's two and three the other thing and everyone laughs at this but I hike with an umbrella and uh because like if it's raining or hailing or whatever, it's so nice just to have that over you and you can like open your pack and get stuff out of your pack and not have it all get soaked and your glasses don't get fogged up. And um, I know it sounds goofy, but um, an, umbre an umbrella is definitely I do that. I bring that all the time. And I guess the third one, this is probably pretty predictable, but like reading material, I have a Kindle and I just like loaded it up with great novels ahead of time because it's just really nice to curl up in your tent at night and have a good novel and read as long as you want to into the night. So yeah, those would be my three. Yeah, that's great. What about books that you love or loved gift or read under your tent? <laughs> um, yeah, so the I would say the one that I probably gift the most is actually Wild by Cheryl Strayed, which we talked about earlier. Um, that was just and usually I'm not a huge nonfiction person. I, I usually prefer fiction, but this is this is one piece of nonfiction that really re reads like a novel. Um, so that would probably be the one that I gift the most to people. I think it was the it was life changing for me. So any advice you could give to people who want to do a through hike? Yeah, I would say remember to hike your own hike. I think there's a lot of tendency amongst through hikers that like you have to do everything right and your pack has to be the lightest pack ever and you have to have all the right gear and you have to do 20 miles a day and you have to get up before it's light out and like be on the trail when it's just starting to get light. And like somehow if you don't do all those things, you're doing it wrong. And I just don't think that that's a particularly healthy way to go about it like yes there are reasons that people do these things but at the end of the day you're out there for you like it's you're through hiking is a very selfish kind of thing and you're doing it for you for yourself and so there's no need to do 
exactly what everyone else does and like do what the pros do. Like if you want to spend a morning like sitting in your camp and drinking coffee, sit in your camp and drink coffee and enjoy the bird song and like hike in the afternoon. It's fine. And you'll probably still get to the end. I mean, if you're doing one of the really long trails and you like you have to do a certain number of miles a day, otherwise you're going to hit winter. Like maybe that's a little different. But in general, like don't get caught up in this. Like I have to do everything just so. Love it. Everybody has this like weird quirky trail name when they're on the trail. I've just learned this. <laughs> yep. What was your trail name? My trail name was Two Piece and it came about because I don't like being dirty. And so I always hike, I bring a swimsuit along so I can like go wash off in rivers and lakes and things like that. And But apparently other, and I just assumed that everyone did this because like, why wouldn't you? But apparently other hikers don't carry swimsuits and so uh, it was like day two of the Colorado Trail and I came across these other hikers who I had seen the day before and they and they asked if I had a trail name already and I said no and they said well we gave you one <laughs> I was kind of like oh okay well t- do tell and they said well we named you two-piece because <laughs> you have this ridiculous swimsuit and uh, Did they just go naked? I was a little unsure about it I think they just don't bathe oh I would just go naked that's amazing. Well, well, I like yeah, and, you, and I did. I mean, you you do go naked sometimes, but like sometimes the streams are like by a trailhead and they're like families and things that, you know, so like <laughs> sometimes going naked is not like the best option. <laughs> so anyway, that's how I got my trail name and it's stuck. <laughs> so once somebody names you, you can't really get out of that. So it's classic a- advice to those who want to attend journalism school. You went to Columbia Journalism School. Um, I, I think... It's important to remember that that journalism school is not college. Like I really loved college because I loved like reading interesting books and talking about big questions and like mulling over life's big questions and society's big questions. And and like journalism school is not that. It's very sort of like straightforward. Like this is like, let's get stuff done. Um, so don't expect to love it. Like if you were one of those people that like loved college for the sort of like thought provoking aspect of it, like don't expect to love journalism school because it's not that. Um, it definitely got me the connections I needed and the skills I needed to get the job at the at at Wyoming Public Radio um, and and launched a, a lot of people into similar jobs. But was it a fun year? Um, no, <laughs> like really not. So coffee. How do you drink your coffee? Uh, I put milk in it, but no sugar. Advice to your 15 year old self if you could go back and tell her one piece of advice. I think I would tell her not to be such a perfectionist um, because this like I was I was always that kid that was like, I must get all A's. And if I don't, like, something is wrong. And (laughs) I think I would tell her, like, it's okay to get a B. Like, just go out and have a little more fun. (laughs) Um, Which is ironically probably the same advice I would give to myself now, like, as a 33-year-old. So I love it. It's like talking to, to a version of myself right now. Okay, if you could throw any party, what kind of party would you throw? Who's there? What kind of music's playing? What kind of food? Um, I don't know what kind of music's playing, but I think I'm not sure that music would be playing at all because I think my favorite party would be 
uh, like a backcountry ski trip to a hut in the mountains or like to a yurt or something. And like we'd have plenty of wine and plenty of snow and a small group of friends who you really get along with and don't mind like being cooped up in a cabin in the woods for several days. And like we would just go and ski and like drink wine. What is your message to the world? If you could fly an eco-friendly plane around the sky and it just said one thing and went over all the trails around the country and maybe even the world, what's your message? I would say do the thing you love, not just the thing you're good at. Because I feel like a lot of us are good at something and then we get stuck doing that even if we don't really love love it. And just because you're good at something doesn't mean that it's the thing that you should be doing in life. Um, I, I, you know, you you can be you can be happy doing what you're doing. You can love doing what you're doing. Um, so don't get stuck in a rut just because you're good at something. Will, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing excerpts of your show with us. Where can we find more of you? Um, so out there, uh, has a website, obviously it's out there podcast.com. Um, the show is also on iTunes and Stitcher and Google play music and wherever you get your podcasts. And I would love to, I would love for people to take a listen and I'd love to hear what you think. It's always nice to, to hear from new listeners and, and hear their suggestions and comments. Willow, thank you again. Loved having you. We'll put links on some of my favorite shows of Willow's in the show notes, as well as the, the other one we spoke about, High on Failure. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. You. I hope you enjoyed this show. Thanks to Willow for coming on and sharing your wild ideas. I'll be sharing a clip of one of my episodes and going on Willow's show in a few weeks. So check out Out There. She releases a new show the first and third Thursday of every month. You can find it wherever you download podcasts. It will have links in the show notes. Okay, we want to hear from you. Go to wildideasworthliving.com, email us, or go to our Facebook or Instagram page to submit questions and feedback for the show. We're improving it and making 2018 awesome. We need your feedback now. You can also go to the website, wildideasworthliving.com, click on the support us tab, and you can donate. You can help the show out through a strict monetary donation. You can support us by using the Amazon affiliate links, or you can write a review on iTunes. Most of all, you can continue to live wildly. And remember, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We have some awesome guests coming up. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Bye.